All right, all right, all right. Here she goes again every time. Okay, it's because I need to find some actual music to go in the beginning of the podcast, but I haven't found anything yet, but I will. That actually sounds good. We should have some music I know. for the beginning of the podcast. I'm still like working on so it. So she doesn't have to do all these. All right, all right, all right. So we are here now, ready to review the second half of The Woman Code. Are you feeling empowered, Alma? I definitely feel empowered by the last nine codes of this book. Exactly. It's pretty cool. I'm excited to get into it. I felt like the second half was like a lot easier to read. And I don't know if that's because I've been reading boring textbooks the past couple of weeks. So this was just like enjoyable or if it was just actually easier to read. I think it was easier to read, for sure. There was a lot of good stuff in there. So, we left off at chapter 11. No, not chapter 11. Code 11. Yes. um, Which says, choose your thoughts and words wisely. And I felt this one very deeply. This was was, huge. It was. It really was. For for a lot of people. Yeah. For a lot of people. I feel like I bite my tongue a lot. This chapter, one of the first sentences said... Once you say it, you can never take it back. Sadly, we're living in the age of cancel culture. How do you feel about cancel culture? I am so tired of it. I feel like we're living in a world where you have to literally walk on eggshells because somebody will always get offended about something. So it doesn't really matter what you say, somebody will be offended by it. It's so true. <laughs> and it's just like, I, I saw something on Instagram and it was from a celebrity and I tried to find who it was again. I went back and I couldn't see who it was, but they were like, when did humans have to be perfect? Yeah. When were we all expected to be perfect all the time? Like, it's impossible. And I get it. You know, obviously, when it comes to racist, sexist, bigot comments, of course, cancel the fuck out of that person. But also, we're human beings. And when we're younger, we might say things like Chrissy Teigen's been a huge topic recently because of all of the tweets and stuff she said. Yeah, I've... I actually am followed. I've, I've been following her for a minute. I thought she was like funny. and Yeah, I did and too. And then I just have a weird vibe from her and I, I follow yeah. her and I don't trust anything. She, I don't know. I felt the same way yeah. about her. Like I thought she was funny and cute for a little while. And then I'm kind of like, there's like this weird feeling I get from her as well that I'm kind of like, hmm. And I don't want to feel that way because I don't know her as right. a person. But I do. But she's been huge with that because old tweets and stuff of what she said. Yes. And so I had written this down because I remember years ago, something I said came up on Facebook and I was like kind of saying something rude to like another girl. And it was when I was in middle school or high school. And I was like. Facebook in middle school? Yeah. And so I this had, is the age difference we have right here, people. <laughs> I had I didn't even know what Facebook. <laughs> well, yeah. Facebook didn't even exist when I was in. Uh, well, we don't have middle school, but that's elementary that school. age range. But, but I had seen like something I said to this girl, and I remember this was years ago, and I like went through my whole Facebook and stuff, and it wasn't anything crazy, but I went and like just cleared out all of my old stuff. I was like, okay, anything that I have that's old, I'm just going to get rid of now because I don't want anything stupid that I might have said or done as a young child come up into my adulthood because we all make mistakes. We all say stupid things. We've all done stupid like bullying when we were kids in some sort of fashion. We all have. So I think it's really important that we go back and we really just like check all of the things that we said and delete 
delete it all because it can obviously come up again in your later life. Almost grateful that I have not lived in the age of Facebook and Instagram when I was that young because we're all young and stupid and we have no idea what we're saying, what we're doing. And the internet does not forgive. Whatever you put out there, it stays there. I just thought that was really interesting because cancel culture is so huge now and I feel like Yes, there are correct and absolutely reasonable times to cancel someone, 100%. But then also, too, we're all humans, and we are not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes, especially younger versions of ourselves. So my mom always told me, if you need to say something to someone, say it to their face. Don't text it. Don't call them and tell them. Say it to their face. If you want to call them a bitch or whatever, just say it <laughs> oh, to them. <laughs> then you don't have any receipts showing that you ever said that to that person. Yeah. The other thing that stood out to me in this, just the first few sentences, it says we are in a challenging space as human beings and we have the power to immediately dispense our thoughts and our words behind the deceptive anonymity of a keyboard or a phone. Right. We live in the day and age of technology. Everything's so quick. Like, as soon as something happens, someone's recorded it, they've posted it, everything. Like, social media is crazy. Like, people saying, oh, this went viral. The way and the quickness that information gets spread, that's why they call it viral, because it's so quick and it, you can't control it. There's no controlling how far or fast or who you're gonna reach with whatever you put out there. And that's why it's so important, number one, to just think about what you're saying, the message that you're putting out there in words. And she's meaning it not just as in like cancel culture or like social media and stuff, but just how you affect other people around you. She's quoted or she said the Bible says words have power in matters of life and death. But before a word is ever uttered, it begins as a thought. So it might be fair to say that the power of life and death resides in our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I connected this with The Secret. You know the book Secret? No. You never heard of The Secret? The Secret? Yeah. No, what's it about? It's about the power of thoughts. Like how oh. you create all your thoughts, like how they, how you manifest stuff. Okay. Because whatever you, whatever it's on your mind constantly, that's what you're putting out there in the world, right? So if you constantly think bad things, that's what's going to happen. Of course. Think that's positive. Yes, manifest. So it's all about manifesting your thoughts and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it comes to uh, page 124 when it says, choosing your thoughts intentionally and then measuring them carefully before they become your words is critical, not just to your own well-being, but to the well-being of others and around you. That is what this code is all about, connecting your thoughts and your words together. I always go back to this point and I'm like, when I get very emotional or angry or irritated or whatever, and I'm like thinking of something and I just want to say it to someone, I'm like, Sid, just wait, just yeah. wait a second and give it time. Because once you let those emotions go, you'll be able to really say what you mean. And it's so important to be able to step back and control your emotions in that way and your thoughts to actually say the things that you mean to say. Well, that's probably the hardest thing to do Absolutely. is control yourself to stop what you're about to say I mean and we've all been at the point where we're like you know we get into an altercation or like something with someone and we're so irritated and then we go in the car and we're like fuck I should have said that or I should have said this come back or I should have done that and it's like we all go through that of like ah oh, I just wish I said that so I could hurt that person never good with comebacks yeah. I know a few people that are very good with comebacks but then you in know in an instant you know if they're really good at comebacks like that you know that they think about it a lot and then it obviously Ooh, affects them a lot I never thought about that yeah. 
If you're like, <laughs> obviously they're, they're thinking about it often because they're conjuring up these comebacks and ready to spit them out. Listen, I never thought about it like that, but let's say this. Your words can become someone else's inspiration or heartbreak. Your thoughts come from whatever is residing in your heart, untaped, unspoken, and unresolved. That's just what you just said, you know, because if they have these quick comebacks, they're probably just thinking about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Then it goes into this code, we will look at how your thoughts become your words and how your words ultimately become reality. And not just your words, but those words that were spoken over you as a child or as a young adult. As we covered in codes one and two, what we think we begin to speak and ultimately act out. Here are three keys we should all consider. Number one, how we form thoughts. Two, how words shape our reality. And three, how to be intentional about our thoughts and words. The first one is how we form thoughts. It says, do you control your thoughts or do they control you? It's all about finding what works for you. And a lot of people, I think it's like meditation. It helps them kind of clear their mind. And then you can really, throughout the day, when thoughts come into your head, you can kind of control them more because that's all about really what meditation is. Is like sitting there in yourself, getting to this point of like relaxation and calm and allowing the thoughts to literally just move through you and you don't stop them to think about it. Whatever comes, you just let it go. Because once you dwell on like a certain thought, then that's when it takes control of you. I had a part here where it says Dr. Antonio Damasio, sorry if I mispronounce it, groundbreaking research in neuroscience has shown that emotions play a central role in social awareness and decision making. I would go and to say on page 126 we've all experienced heartbreak whether an unwanted breakup of a relationship or the death of a loved one but did you know that being heartbroken is more than just an emotional response of or feeling being heartbroken has real physical manifestations and symptoms being heartbroken could literally kill you and this was so interesting to me and then it says we play old songs we look at photos (laughs) we reminisce about the love we once had and this floods our bodies with stress hormones that can cause a sudden heart attack pneumonia gastrointestinal problems and more the power of choosing what we dwell on in our thoughts is enormous our minds are receptacles for memories experiences emotions feelings hurt joy love and pain all of which form our thoughts and that's what i put (laughs) over here i was like i am not the one to listen to sad songs when I'm sad because it gets me too deep. Like, I have to put happy music. I have to be happy trying to get myself out because I'm so sensitive and emotional. And if I go and then start, like, watching a sad movie or, like, listening to a sad song, I'm out. But, for example, that's all I want to do when I'm in this situation. I just want to go ahead and listen to, like, I know I will pick the worst, saddest freaking songs in the world and i will listen to them over and over again i'm gonna cry to like it's not a regular cry it's like this cry that comes from like deep in your soul it's like your soul is hurting and you're crying you cannot stop and you're doing it more and you're like can i i just want to stop and this is what she's saying here i cannot do it you see so we have different people and this is amazing i wish i'm like that you know i wish i'm at the point where like okay something bad happens no but i don't go through that you know it's a phase so it's gonna obviously i cut it off at one point i'm tired of crying but it i have to go through it to get to that better place see for me i'm already sad so i'm like i know i'm (laughs) sad so then i go like even in my car on one of my stations it's a reggae like soca station that plays like all that music and you know because you've been in my car and listened to it and that's all I listen to most of the time when I'm driving because it makes me calm for me I'm so sensitive to 
music and weather and stuff like that. So like if I'm already in a sad mood, the triggers, you're watching yeah. for your triggers. And I'm like literally out here feeding, okay, your feeding triggers. my triggers. Okay, here, I'll give you more. Let right. me give you more. Mm-hmm. This is a how words shape your reality. Uh, our words tell the world who we are, what we think and how we feel. Once a thought has formed in our minds, good or not good, it is going to come true as she's mentioning that one of her mentors says uh, you will only truly get to know a person when you see them operate in a midst of pain struggle adversity loss or even a great triumph this i brought up to you when we were talking about sex at dawn when i said you should only be a partner or like think about getting married to someone when you've seen someone go through all of those different stages of life because you don't know someone unless you've seen them through all the stages That is so true. So then it goes into how to be intentional about our thoughts and words. To be intentional is to be deliberate, resolute, and firm. To fix your mind on something and to follow through. The power of intentional thinking happens when you actively decide how to think about a topic or situation. And this is so true with your code and everything. Like You have to remember who you are as a person. You're a strong, intelligent woman or man. And you should act accordingly. Don't let these quick emotions change your character for a second and put your worst face out there. And at certain age, I feel like it's all about character. Like the other day, I just had this, I'm I'm not sure who I had this conversation with the other day, but I was just saying like at the age that I'm at right now, I mean, I'm 34 and I'm just like, I feel like I want to do everything the right way. I want to be, do right by people. I want to when people think of me in five years, they say, oh, Alma, you know, oh, that's a nice person. Stuff that makes me think now that I never thought. I want the people that I know and the people that know me, I want them to understand who I am as a person in my core and like what I can bring to their life. The people it's who a, you value. Exactly. You want them to see who, who is you in really your are. front row. Remember, ah, that's going to come up. That's going to come up in the next few mm-hmm. chapters. Who is in your front row? And that's very important. So, yeah. Then it goes into most successful people would agree that their success is due in large part to their ability to be intentional about what they want, how they pursue it, and how they value it and what they are willing to sacrifice to obtain it whatever it the desired goal is you can take control of your thoughts your emotions and your words by tweaking a few things that you do daily your mind is the most powerful tool on earth it brings to life the issues of your heart your mind can be creative force for brilliance innovation and transformation or your mind can be a dark place that holds on to life's unfairness losses and wounds which we've talked about before and it's true And it's a hard thing to do to let go of that, but it's essential to your well-being. It says your power rests in your ability to focus your thoughts and to train them in the way that you want them to go. And that's it, training. (laughs) That's that's all it is. I mean, it takes so much to do this self-awareness, self-care. It's the hardest thing you can do in life. Literally, you think other stuff is hard. No, working on yourself is the hardest thing. It says here, one of the hardest tasks on our journey is to look deep within to see who we are not how the world sees us but how we perceive ourselves when you think about it athletes actors singers everybody trains everybody trains because you don't you can be great at something you can practice 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 makes perfect and it's the same thing with training your mind and training your emotions and everything that you deal with internally it's all about training and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work but it is so essential to living your best life a good life exactly code 12 
What is the code 12? Code 12 says, never cut what you can untie. This is also so good. I liked this one a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm for not sure. Uh, she points out in the beginning of this chapter, she said that her grandma used to say, baby, never cut what you can untie. It means simply to not burn bridges in your life unnecessarily. So it means that there is a time to cut and there's a time to simply untie and this is what brings me back because i know my parents used to always say it's a bosnian saying like don't ever shut the door with your butt because <laughs> you never know who you're gonna need one day like that same person you might need like in 10 years he might be your lifesaver and right. you just cut him off like so bad or her or and whatever. it's like follows through with the same thing with controlling your emotions like sometimes you're so angry at someone and you're like fuck you like i don't want you in my life anymore you have to control that because sometimes it's not necessary to cut someone out of your life completely maybe you need time to just step back and grow yeah and then you can come back and that's where we go into with this chapter it says life rarely presents us with clear-cut situations in our relationships things become even murkier because relationships are all about negotiation relationships romantic or friendship whatever family It's all about negotiation. How do we get what we want and give someone else what they want? How do we ask for what we need and communicate what we feel? Relationships require much negotiation and navigation. If we don't master the art of courageous conversation, being accountable and being authentic, combined with knowing our front row and guarding our heart, we will fail at building lasting and meaningful relationships. Because sometimes you're so quick to cut somebody off and that could have been a really great relationship in the end later on but your emotions just get in the way get the best of you Mm -hmm. she says the smart woman knows the difference and she lives by its wisdom we untie in order to step back just like you said we take a deep breath we exhale when we untie we're saying to ourselves and to that other person you still matter to me but right now i need to let you go Mm -hmm. untying says i want to still be connected to you but i need some space yes i mean i think we all kind of come to that realization as we get older okay i just need a second to like step back yeah but it does it takes maturity And it says, if however we make that decision to remove ourselves from certain people or situations, we are making a commitment not to go back, but to move forward. Untying says, I want to still be connected to you, but I need some space right now. Cutting severs a bond. Cutting should only be done after we have exhausted all other options, unless, of course, we are in any type of immediate emotional or physical danger, particularly when we're dealing with people we love. We get caught up in the emotions and fail to communicate what we really mean. Instead of communicating, we react, often wrongly and hastily, leaving hurt feelings that can't be mended. I have cut very few things in my life. If I cut off someone or something, it is only after great thought great prayer, even greater effort to talk in a very clear indication that my code is being violated. Hmm. So that's when you know. So she put a lot of thought yeah. into it. She prayed over it and she's like, okay, I'm done she's like, exhausting my options. I'm, I you're can't done. do it yeah. anymore. And yeah. I think that's so important too. I was that way when it came to relationships a lot, like, like romantic relationships. When I was in a relationship, my first instinct was to be like, all right, bye, I'm done. <laughs> Got done, cut off, like whatever, go away, like that kind of thing. But I was really immature. And it would just be the smallest things. I think I was just triggered a lot because of like my past and like the things I went through. A lot of small things would trigger me. 
But then I would sit and I'd be like, okay, this is a stupid reason to just like walk away. But it takes maturity. Like I know when I did that, it was because I was super immature. Yeah. Well, she says here that cutting versus untying is a skill. (laughs) And what do we need to have a skill? skill. We need to practice. So successful, savvy, sophisticated women use it all the time in navigating workplace and professional networks. Um, And even when it comes to our families, which gives us our modest, sacred and intimate relationship, knowing when to walk away or cut unhealthy ties is crucial. Mm It says, code 19, which we'll get to, have courageous conversation will help you to learn how to make these types of healthy decisions when it comes to facing the inevitable crossroads of relationship management and when to walk away from people forever or just for a season. Mm. Because once you close the door, burn a bridge, build a wall, speak a mean word, or break a heart, that relationship is likely lost forever. Mm -hmm. So even if you try you know, down the road, try to mend the relationship. It's going to be very hard. Like It is it, because people's egos you, you get just, in the way and then you're like, oh. And you cannot forget what that person told right. you back in the day, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, it will always stay in your mind. And I have one friendship I feel like I cut because, because we were so young and we were friends for so long. I think I cut it. And I think about that person often. And I think, especially when I was reading this, I was like, dang. Should I have just like untied it? But I wasn't mature enough to know how to do that. And I had a lot of ego and I still have a lot of ego. But I just wasn't able to navigate that kind of like situation. So for me, it was just cutting was better. I think I should have probably just untied it and like let it rest for a while and kept it open. But now it's like so severed so long ago. Now I'm just like, Okay, like, I, I don't know if I can go back to It would to be that. awkward, yeah. Yeah, and not just awkward, I just don't even know, like, what that would mean or if it would, you know, be worth it going back. Yeah. But now it's so long gone, it's, like, done. I appreciate that you said, like, I wish I knew how to do these things back, you know, Obviously, that was not even on your mind. Like, no. cut, done, I'm, I'm good. I was like, <laughs> no, because especially when I was younger, I was so, like cut it it's done once you've crossed me so many times and it wasn't even like huge crossings it was just a lot of really honestly like when I look back at it it's just a ton of immaturity and on both sides not just her not just me I just didn't know and my personality was like all right you've done it enough now I'm cutting you off and it's over yeah and like I I've just grown out of that it's not like not necessary unless someone really like fucks you over does some shady ass shit (laughs) yeah cut them off so the value of untying People make mistakes because we're human and fallible. We have to think long and hard about what it means to give people second chances. People are in our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. The value of untying is simple. It means that we still have hope for the good we see in the relationship. Untying allows us to reconnect. Untying gives us options. Untying allows us to reconnect later if so we choose. How do you know when it's time to untie someone or cut someone off in your life? And she gives a couple of rules. So it says rule one, consider the pros and cons of this person in your life. This is huge. If the cons obviously outweigh the pros, cut them off. Number two, read the cues. Think through the possible outcomes and then decide whether it is worth your while to continue. And I think this is when it just takes time. Like, yeah, you don't got to fit. You got fi- to figure it out. Yeah. Just take time. Like no one gives you a, a time <laughs> of when you have to know or not know. And if they do, then I guess cut them off. Like and then th- <laughs> rule three, if you love this person and value the relationship, then save it for another day. How you exit a relationship isn't important as how you begin a relationship. How you release people matters. Uh, Maya Angelou, uh, 
Maya Angela. Angela. I am not sure how to pronounce this. Lord forgive me. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And this is so true. And then it says the power of releasing and cutting. Some actions speak so loudly that no words are needed. Some relationships cannot be mended because they are like glass. When broken, the pieces can hurt you. Believe people when they show you who they are and act accordingly. The difference between cutting and untying is all about code. Remember that your code is who you are. It is the compass of your life. It must never be violated for any reason. Either they fit in on that same (laughs) journey or they don't. And it makes it easier to understand. Three rules for knowing when it's time to cut for good. Rule one, if this person or situation violates your core code, cut them or it immediately. Lying goes to character. Deception goes to character. Do not try to negotiate or fix someone's bad character. It is not your job to do so. This, yeah, this was circled, circle, circle. Mm-hmm. It's not your job to fix somebody's bad character. Someone, nor you can do it no. either, even if you try it a million it's times. It's their character. That is who they are. Then rule two, if you are in immediate physical, emotional, spiritual, or financial danger, cut it. Cut, yeah. cut, cut. It. You cannot do anything about that. You have to take care of yourself. Cut them. Rule three, don't cut in anger or when hurt. As these three questions... Is this a project or a relationship? Meaning, is this a badly broken person I will keep having to try to fix, excuse, or manage? Number two, what part did I play in this? People only do what we allow them to do. That's huge. And number three, what is the condition of their heart? Look at their fruit. What is their code? Mm -hmm. Anytime you have to devalue yourself to accommodate the relationship, it is time to release or cut it. Women are taught to mend, restore, and forgive. Men are taught to obliterate and cut. That makes women more likely to tolerate unacceptable behavior, which destroys our self-worth. You cannot cherry-pick character. Your code is not up for negotiation. Code is everything. Your code is what you stand for, what you live by, what it's... And if you allow someone to slip through that and affect that, then you are showing them exactly how to treat you. Exactly. And you're putting yourself down. What do we come to code 13? (sighs) Don't think like a man. The first thing, it was like a little quote and whether or not you like hillary clinton or not it was a good quote we need to understand that there is no one formula for how women should lead our lives that is why we must respect the choices that each woman makes for herself and her family every woman deserves the chance to realize her god-given potential and you know i think this was like a huge chapter for me when i was reading through it because i have been taking women in politics And it's just been going through like all of our history and everything as women and like coming to. And it talks about how in politics, women are not a united front. We just have so many different thoughts of like what we need. And I think we should respect each woman for what we individually need and do in our own lives. That's true. And she also said that understand that the first rule of being a woman is to understand that you're not a man. (laughs) Absolutely. It says, ironically, however, when we do behave like men in the workplace, we are dubbed the B word or worse. We're too aggressive, too hard, too ruthless and not a team player. And if we play the game like the men do, when it comes to dating, we're labeled as loose or on the prowl. We can't win. We cannot win. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I I felt that one. (laughs) It goes into the problem is in trying to think 
like and act like a man. Such a woman has lost the true transformative essence of her power. And her power comes from the mysterious, sacred, and creative space of being a woman. This type of woman has been tricked into believing that women are powerless and that we have nothing good to offer of our own merit. I feel like women who go off, oh, I'm just gonna like be like a man, act like a man, I get where they're coming from because it's so hard to be a woman and get the respect that we deserve. So we're like, fuck it. I'm just going to be like a man then. Like, let me just do whatever. But then you get labeled. But you have to understand the reason why we are being suppressed as women, as a sex, is because we are so fucking powerful. And because people are intimidated. So if we go and then act like a man, then we're totally doing exactly what they're wanting us to do. Because we're losing our essence and power as a woman, Mm -hmm. which is stronger than anything else. The true power comes from within, it says. And power mm-hmm. can never be given or even transferred. It's, yes. It comes from within. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. It says, stop and think about this for a minute. If our core identity as women is tied up in our relationships and in how we look, whereas a man's identity is wrapped up in achievement, success, and competition, then is it any wonder why we struggle with guilt and self-condemnation when we pursue something else outside of those prescribed relational boundaries? Probably, because women think it's now, it's not the norm. Like, they're stepping out of their... I, and, and that's what, even in the Women in Politics textbook that I was reading, like, that was such a huge struggle from, like, the feminists and then, like, the conservative women is that they were just so tied into their role as, like, as a nurturer, a caregiver, a housewife, all of these things, and they were so afraid to let it go. But it's like, you can be the, all of those things. You don't just have to be that, and then you can't go out and, like, work and do your own thing and be, like, a strong woman. You can embody everything, you know? We can be successful. We can be competitive. We can do all of these things. It's just... Yes, you can be all of it, but you also have to understand that you're losing other aspects of your life the the ones that were maybe i'm a little bit more on a traditional side i do want everything i do want to provide which i am (laughs) like i do want to have 20 jobs if i can and raise my child on my own and do everything by myself but then at the same time you have to understand that if you want to have a super successful career and just be out there all the time you're going to understand that 20 years down the line that your child is 20 now and you probably have not spent any time with her Mm -hmm. or him it's a hard it's very hard journey to balance especially when you're on your own you can do it but Mm -hmm. it comes with a cost yeah so it says we are all stuck we are all still stuck on trying to win a man's approval his validation and his affections whereas men just go along and let life happen men don't fear about being themselves men don't worry that to pursue a career is to lose love or the chance at family yet we do worry about these issues in fact we are obsessed by it our socialization runs thousands of years deep in some places in the world such as parts of the middle east and africa women are still considered the property of their husbands and treated as less than chattel sorry to interrupt you Mm -hmm. but this is funny because back in the day uh when i used to live in bosnia i went to tunisia for like a vacation with my then boyfriend and i remember a man coming to him and asking him how many camels can i give you for her (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that it is still in my mind. Damn, till this. I was like, yeah. he was like, how many camels? camels should we give if you want to stay here? <laughs> oh my gosh, that is but crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to talk about it now, but really people do. It's funny to talk about it in a light sense, but when you think about it, like, they do that. That's that's their life. That's you their, will literally give a he human He was not joking, life. you know? So it says, when we were talking about you know, women and socialization. They're uneducated, impoverished, and often beaten, raped, or sold off into sex slave trade. Lest we forget the tragic kidnapping of over 200 Nigerian schoolgirls by Islamic extremists Boko Haram in, in April 2014. Many believe those girls were sold into marriage or slavery for $12 each. <sighs> I cannot even talk about this. No. But how far have we really come in the Western world when in our minds we still feel like we have to be like one of the guys and embrace the guy traits to be accepted and promoted through the corporate or industry ranks? I think we can learn a lot from successful men when keeping our femininity and our uniqueness as women intact. Here are the keys we will explore. So it says, one, it is something special to be a woman. Two, we can learn from men without thinking or acting like them. When you find your own essence, then mm -hmm. you don't need to be pretending to be anybody else. She said, uh, I suspect no one knows the answers to the mysterious of being a woman because no two women are the same. Yet we are very connected as women by these universal, universal truths. No matter our culture or geographical location, we are taught to be second to our male counterparts. No matter our ethnicity or religion, we are taught to be nurturers, caretakers, and service-minded to others. No matter when we are born or what station or women face universal stereotypes and limitations placed on us by male-dominated power structures and institutions. Mm -hmm. She's bossy is the small definition that shapes us in life keywords used by others to tell us who we are and who we should not become as women someone tells me i'm bossy i'm like hell yeah i'm bossy but to some people because of their confidence level or like who they are they might take it negatively and then that impacts them and then they're like oh i don't want to be bossy i don't want to be thought of as that i want to be like easy like oh i'm the cool girl all the guys want to hang out with me because i'm so easy to hang out with like Fuck them. Why do I... No, like, no, be the bossy bitch, okay? Go and, like, stand for yourself and be you. You can be a bossy bitch if you know your value and you know what you work for and you know, like, your goals. You know what really got me? It says, we readily take advice from a man but will reject the same wisdom from a woman. Hmm. That has to change. The time has come for us to embrace what being a woman is all about. We should not shrink from being all woman, nor do we need to prove how tough we can be in our climb up the corporate ladder and through the ranks of management, government, academia, industry, and even the military. We ascend because we are capable, qualified, and gifted, not because we have to be like men. You can't be one woman at work and another woman at home. You have to be you Whoever you is, this is so good. Mm -hmm. uh, the, key, <laughs> the key to getting what you want from our careers is not to be like men or to think like them. The key is to unlock the woman who resides inside us with all her splendor, intellect, and bravery and let her show up ready every day in the world. Mm -hmm. You have to know your value and you have to know your worth. It all starts there. If you don't see what you bring to the table, no one else will. This is what mm -hmm. I'm saying. Like you can do, you can act in a certain way if you know what you bring to the table and you know <laughs> what you stand on. This it says... The truth is, women and men are very different for a reason. It's called balance. Right. We were never designed to be the same. 
we need, we do need each other. And I'm not putting all men down and saying like, fuck men all the time, because no, we absolutely need men. We need the balance, but we need to understand our power in who we are as women and just not try to be like men to think that's what's going to get us somewhere. It says the female brain is hardwired to be a better multitasker while men are better at concentrating on single complex activities. I have learned early in my career life to surround myself with mentors and sponsors who had achieved the success I wanted to achieve in the field in which I wanted to achieve that success. And it is true that men handle things differently than we do. Not better, just differently. Yeah. We don't have to compete with men in everything. We right. don't have to be equal. We, we do not have to. We're never going to be equal. There is never going to be a time that we're going to be equal. But that's what people today are trying to do. They're trying to make everybody but equal. But we can't. And that's what I was talking about with the two different doctrines, like about why it's so hard for women to unite on political ideas. Because some, like we can never be equal. We, we have children. We bear children. We bring fucking life onto this earth a man is not equal to me in that sense so how are we going to be equal we cannot we can do our (laughs) i mean eh. but seriously like we have to think about it in that sense not in that we are lesser we just cannot be equal on certain things yeah that's what i'm saying it's like we don't have to and that's just my opinion i would like i said this your aircraft situation is just like one of the things where i think about Mm -hmm. like I'm sorry, I would rather just have like a, a main pilot and women because, because we're bringing in emotions, we're bringing in, and we all know women are emotional creatures. I don't know. But sometimes you know, they can be more logical in senses too. They can think about, because women think about every single aspect of different things that they can think true. at like a higher level of like, my mom is like that way. Like she's like, oh my gosh, she would always say this like, oh my gosh, if you go outside, make sure that you're not wearing those shoes because if the shoelace unties, then you're going to trip and fall and you're going to bust your teeth and hit your head. And she thinks of like all these crazy things that are going to happen. And I'm like, I'm, oh my I'm God. I'm that mom. I'm yeah, that mom. but I'm like, okay, she just thought of that in like two seconds. A man's like, all right, bye. <laughs> like, doesn't even think about it. So it's like women, yeah. I feel like are so much more powerful in that sense because we think about all of the possible outcomes, which can be crazy because then we can overthink sometimes. At the end of this, it says, we can learn from men just as they can and should learn from us as leaders and managers. And it says in the workplace, but I think in general. Right. Code 14, lead from within. I have to read this quote by Daniel Goldman. I don't know who that is, but the quote is amazing. If your emotional abilities aren't in hand, if you don't have self-awareness, if you are not able to manage your distressing emotions, if you can't have empathy and have effective relationships, then no matter how smart you are, you're not going to get very far. Mm -hmm. This is so good. I love it because a lot of people really don't know how to handle their emotions. And and this is what we talked about. They lash out. They do stupid things. This is key. It says, leading from within is another way of saying emotional intelligence. We, as women, in my humble opinion, naturally emotionally intelligent. Yeah. We are kind. We are empathetic. (laughs) Yes. We are great multitaskers, but we can also be hardest on ourselves and one another. It says, simply put, emotional intelligence is the ability to lead from your heart, is the ability to detect strengths and weaknesses in those around you and those who work with and for you. It is also to be perceptive of their dreams, goals, and aspirations. They said women have been brainwashed to think that we have to be tough and blunt like a man. 
I guess it just brings up the same um, topic. The new kind of female leader is a woman who operates by the code. And we just come back to this code again. Sure, she's smart, curious, creative, loyal, educated, and committed. But beyond that, she knows how and when to use her heart to lead from the deep place within. Mm-hmm. She understands that work is what we do, not who we are. So this one just, I had talked about it and I said it kind of just like incorporates a lot of other chapters that she had already kind of touched on. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot more about like the professional setting and stuff. But it said, hence the ability to express and control our own emotions as leaders is important. But so is our ability to understand, interpret, and respond to the emotions of others. Emotional intelligence refers to the ability to perceive, control, and evaluate emotions. So I didn't think it was like too much that we had to like touch on in this one. It says the only way to preserve and maximize our time then is to be focused. Here are five great tips for avoiding distractions and staying focused in your professional and personal life. One, if you have a goal, a mission, a desire, focus intently on that thing. Quickly get rid of anything that does not align with or get you to your focused goal or mission. It's a distraction. Have a checklist of three things that you must do each day. Must do and then do them. Everything else is extra and can wait. This was big for me because I make a kind of like list of like priorities. Mm -hmm. What's the top priority? What has to be done now that has a deadline? And then everything else can follow. That's important, but maybe just not do as like quickly minimize (laughs) contacts with people who are distractors. Number five, guard your mind and energy space. Make it a place that no one can interrupt. Do you have the power to decide who gets access to you and who does not, period? Awesome. That was a good chapter. It was, eh, it wasn't my favorite chapter because I kind of felt like it was just like a lot of the other chapters. Some than one. Yeah, well. Some than one. I feel like a lot of these lapsed chapters are kind of repetition. So we're going in the last like five chapters now and a lot of them are kind of. Very repetitive. Repetitive. Yes. Not in a bad way repetitive. It's just like. We kind of got the point. Exactly. At this point. (laughs) At this this point we got a point. At this point we got the point. So 15 is be brave bravery what a word it means so many things and it can come to us and be lived out by us in so many different forms when i think to be brave uh, when i think about all the brave women in my life they all have one thing in common courage you see bravery and courage go hand in hand Mm -hmm. so basically she just talks about bravery and courage and being a woman who wants to make a difference change the conversation and be the leader is not easy you are required to go against the grain and be willing to stand alone you will work long hours at great personal sacrifices what i was just talking to you about standing in the arena of battling back will test you it will shake you but most of all it will require that you be brave standing alone sometimes means that you're the only one thinking for your fucking self It's hard because a lot of people, they want to have that kind of security of other people being on their side. And sometimes you're not going to have that. So you just got to be brave. You got to be brave because bravery is something you do when everything inside of you says it cannot be done, should not be done, or has never been done before. Bravery is not what you talk about, think about, or wonder about. Bravery is what you do. Bravery is what you live. Bravery is defines and face of the man. Bravery says, no matter where I find myself in life, it is not too late to live the life of my dreams too i think it gets harder as we get older because we try to be reasonable with our life and like okay what's gonna make me money what's gonna give me a secure life what's gonna be a promising future and a lot of times our dreams 
why they people think of them as dreams is because they don't think it's necessarily like a reality that they reality. could attain mm-hmm. but it is it absolutely is look at all of these other people that are doing what you want to do how is that not attainable they've done it if it wasn't attainable they wouldn't be able to do it because so, they probably not have they were not brave enough and mm-hmm. bravery will give you freedom bravery is peace that's what she said bravery mm-hmm. is freedom bravery is peace bravery is bigger than courage bravery makes us bold it's yes. something deep within us it pulls up a purpose bravery is commanding of the spirit it goes into master your fear so fear is something we have to learn to embrace so that we can make a decision the most important thing to remember about fear is not to let it paralyze you If we're afraid of it, it's usually something that's out of our comfort zone. That's a challenge. But if Mm -hmm. we're able to work through it and move on, we're growing as a person. Anything that makes you feel uncomfortable is growth. That's what you just said. It's major. It's really, wow, people, she just spilled some beans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is amazing because I'm very, I'm one of those people. I'm extremely fearful but about look how every far you've gone. step of the way. Well, don't think that I had not thought about certain things or just like, you know, you don't know, know the it. process behind it. But see, that's you. You said fear. You recognize it, but it did not paralyze you. Mm, well, maybe maybe it did paralyze me in some other aspects. But I just wanted to bring that up and put it out there that I'm very fearful. While fear is normal, fear is not your friend. Fear sets up a chain of emotions that can cause us to miss open doors and better opportunities. It all comes down to how we master our fear. Being afraid is normal, but you can... Learn to master it and run against it. Fear is a natural emotion. It's always going to come. Like, I remember people asking me, like, now we'll be talking about, like, acting. And they're like, oh, do you still get, like, nervous? Mm -hmm. Like, when you go to auditions. Yeah, of course. I still get nervous. But you have to learn how to transform that emotion. When I start to feel nervous, I say, no, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to do this. I get to do what I do I get to do it. Mm -hmm. And so you have to move forward. You have to learn how to manage and train your emotions. And it says, here's the checklist for facing and fighting your fears. Number one, face it. Check your comfort zone and get out of the box. Make a decision. Accept that failure is an option. And now go do it. Mm-hmm. So it says, summon your courage. Courage is the attitude. Bravery is the action. Courage is the voice inside that says, I think I can. And bravery goes out and proves that you can. Sisters of the code, we must dare to find the courage that lies within so that we can tap into the bravery that allows us to go and do. Here are the five keys to unlocking the courage inside of you. Number one, you must have a strong spiritual life. Your courage is in direct proportion to your prayer, meditation, spiritual center. Two, you must have a strong front row of friends and supporters. Code 17, know your front row, is all about who you have around you in your life. Three, you must know your value. This goes back to code one. You must trust yourself. You must be willing to stand in the arena of life bloodied but not bowed. You must be willing to go against your family, your friends, and your fears in order to get to that goal. Number four, you must believe in yourself. Even if no one else in the world believes in you, you must believe in you period. Five, you must be resilient. Code 16, well, 
I mean, of course, we're going to go over it, but it's lift other women as you climb. And that's obviously essential. We know this. So we're going to go quickly through it. Not yes. because it's not so incredibly important, but because we know we at should this know. point, right. <laughs> we have to lift other women as we climb. So it says, the women we embrace as our sisters are sometimes closer than our own family members. They defend us, wipe away our tears, take care of us when we are ill, let us bunk in their homes, watch our kids, pray with us, push us, pull us, and pass support your dreams at the same time these same women will not hesitate to scold us check us and even anger us in order to protect us true sisterhood however cannot be forced it has to be developed over time and i started that because i was like this is so freaking true yes we have to see people through different periods of their mm-hmm. life heartache pain success all of these things to know if their codes and values align with our codes and values As women, we are not just connected, we are interconnected. So why does it seem that at a time when so many of us are getting ahead and doing amazing things that far too many of us are being left behind? The truth is many women, despite their achievements or power, are just too afraid, too unaware, or too insecure to help other women. Mm. And that is what sisterhood is all about, helping each other. The reality is if we don't help each other, who will? And if not now, when? And that was pretty much what sums up this This whole whole chapter. chapter. Yeah. Because who's going to be on our side? Who's the closest person to us? Our sisters. Who's going to cheer for you when you're winning, you know, and support you when you're when you're not saying losing or when you're just having a hard time in life it says here not just women in your life whom you love or who love you this is easy i want to challenge all of us to bring other women into our ranks to help other women out of poverty whether financial or spiritual to have other women who are alone in this world to have other women realize their deepest dreams talk is cheap ladies what are you doing to lift other women as you climb and this is so good because obviously this is something on my mind as well like as i'm getting older it's just like how can i help somebody else right you know or teach them or just not teach them just teach them yeah uh, teach them what you know right like explain them certain situations that i've been like oh please don't do it that way because i'm telling you it's not a good way you know something like that because our mothers teach us yeah so why would we not be accepting and receptive of other women trying to teach us with things too so it Mm -hmm. says we all want to know good women we all want to be good women and we all want to raise good women but somehow we have abandoned ourselves for other notion of who we're supposed to be well we came to code 17 know your front row this is a good one Mm, i love this one we probably just want to talk about this one for a little bit this one is whoa give me a second let me check my first row it was like that Mm -hmm. so let's kind of get into this one i love this code she says it's one of my Uh, paternal grandmother's best lessons to me as a young woman she told me to build a circle of loyal friends she told me that friends were the family we choose in life she taught me to be mindful that not everyone who calls themselves friend is one (sighs) be careful whom you call friend and where you see them pay attention to who claps when you win and who does not pay attention to those who celebrate you mourn with you look after you and those who do not those people need to be moved a few rows back or out the door altogether. This also ties in with the untying or cutting someone mm-hmm. of your life. So it doesn't necessarily mean you need to cut them, but just move them fewer, like further <laughs> rows in the back of the theater because they don't need to be right up front because they're not. They don't need to know everything. They're not your supporter. And it says, I want you to do something brave. I want you to take a long, hard look at the five 
people closest to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about your spouse and your children, but the five people who you talk to the most and spend time with outside of your home. How would you describe them? Are they go-getters? Are they positive? Are they loyal? Are they kind? Do they share your faith, your values, and your code? Now take a long, hard look at you. Do they match? Then your have, parents always say, like, who you who you hang out, that's who yes, you are. Yes, you know, birds of a feather like, flock yeah. together. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that's I, all I my parents I didn't know about me. that one, but yeah, yeah, that's the same. So you basically check your front row, and by checking your life row frequently will keep you sharp, powerful, and coachable. Never surround yourself with yes-mans or yes-womens. Not women's. Women. Close enough. <laughs> yes, people will lead you to the water, and they will let you drown. Yes. Oh my gosh. I underline that too. <laughs> show me your front row, and I will show you your life. By row, I mean think of a movie theater and the rows of the seats. That's how often we see people in our lives and without even knowing it. It says, as General Colin Powell wrote so eloquently, wise is the person who fortifies his life with the right friendships. If you run with wolves, you will learn how to howl. But if you associate with eagles, you will learn how to soar to great heights. It says, I call my front row my love council or my sanctum sanctorum. It is the group I turn to and to whom I rely for advice, wisdom, correction, and encouragement. I think correction is a huge one because those are the people that you need to kind of tell you, okay, this is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Because you can have your friends and they're always going to hype you up and they're going to be like, yeah, bitch, But they that. also like, need to, that's the other thing. Bring I just you to reality. throw it in there. Yeah, but bring you to reality in a nice way. And it says, we help each other, we check each other, we develop and sharpen each other mm. that was huge uh how to build a good front row she's she gives us a few examples of how to do that you begin building a good front row by being a good person yourself <laughs> like uh, like attracts like if you have a code you had better link up with people who share that code your code is your road map to success yes Stop trying to befriend people or connect with people who do not share your value or your code. Here are some practical things you should consider when building your row. Rule one, you must know someone for at least four seasons before you let them into your network or space. Hell yeah. That's what I'm saying. Rule two, you build a great row through your existing networks and connections. Rule three, one of the best indicators you will have of what kind of friend, spouse, business partner, or colleague someone is going to be is to watch how they treat other people. It says haters, <laughs> frenemies, whatever you want to call them, are always looking at what someone else has and feeling bad because they don't have the same thing. This kind of thinking comes from a place of lack. If we operate from lack, we are looking at what others have and what we don't have. When you co- when you covet what others... <laughs> covet? Covet, covet. <laughs> okay, I think sorry. I'm losing my patience. I don't know. I'm sorry. I've never seen that word before. <laughs> when you covet, covet. Have, you will always end up hurt. Broken, bitter, and envious, you will end up a hater. Our true friends know how to celebrate us. They are secure in their own success. That is why it is so crucial to associate with people who are either where you are in life or where you want to be. Facts. That was a fucking gem right there. Because you know what? No one's going to hate on you because if your friends are doing boss ass shit like you are, why are they going to hate? Because they're doing boss ass shit. And if you see someone hating, cut them because you know what? 
Don't cut them. Just send them in the back row. Okay, sorry. Sydney, did she just rule? See, she did not learn Damn anything. Okay, sorry. Wow. No, I did. It just, I didn't think about it. Ever. Your emotions got the best got of you already. <laughs> Successful men and women share similar traits. They have positivity and a spirit of encouragement. They have the ability to elevate others above themselves if needed. They are committed to excellence in themselves and others. They don't do petty, jealous, or strife. And they resolve conflict well. You attract into your life who you are. Period. The end. That's done with that chapter. You're welcome. Code 18. Practice love, laughter, loyalty. I thought this was another one that could be passed. Mm -hmm. It was not that much crazy shit in here. Not gonna Mm -hmm. lie. Honestly, I didn't really understand this chapter. Did you? I mean, I underlined a lot. Because we already talked about love, guarding our heart, all of that stuff. Like... We know what it is. We know what it is. Laughter, we know it's good for us. Loyalty, we know it's fucking hard to do. We got to find the right people. But loyalty is important. Yeah. You got to be loyal to yourself mm-hmm. first, too, as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> okay, so just to summon this chapter, basically what she's talking about is love, laughter, and loyalty. Love, the most important thing about love is to be present. Our lives are short. Slow down. Smell the roses. You know, you already know the drill. Laughter. Sharing laughter is the most effective keys for unlocking excitement and joy. And loyalty. The ability to remain loyal is one of life's most most precious codes. And then we come into the code 19. We only have two more codes left. 19, have courageous conversations. This one was big for me. I think I just want to touch base on it because I'm not really good with having serious conversations. I hate it. I stay away from it and it brings me um, a lot of headache later on. Difficult conversations are almost never about getting the facts right. They're about conflicting perceptions, interpretations, and values. I used to struggle, the author says, with speaking my mind or my heart, for that matter. I no longer do so. Gratefully, as we age and mature, we learn how to value of being authentic with ourselves most of all. We learn to suppress emotions is to suffocate the soul. It really is, because mm-hmm. when you don't talk about certain stuff and you just swipe it under the rug, it just keeps building it up. It festers. It festers. Really, just it's going to come out. <laughs> it festers. It festers. No, it really does. Sometimes it's fucking hard to talk about things. Very. Because it's uncomfortable and you worry Especially about... for people that don't like conflict. Because exactly. you know, with the hard conversation... <laughs> Me, I'm raising my hand. I know, I hate it. I really need to work on this. The things that have happened and result of not having conversations with the people about important things. And I get it, it is really hard. But it's like a band-aid. You know, you just gotta fucking rip it off. And you gotta talk about it and get over it. Because if you don't, first of all, it's just gonna leave you anxious. Like, thinking about it all the time. And thinking about, like, leading up to the conversation you have with that person. Just do it. Because, honestly, you never know what the other person's reaction's gonna be. It could be way different than what you expect. They could be understanding. Or they could, like, give you ease. But that's the art of conversation. Some people are not good with communicating. Mm-hmm. I found myself literally stuck with like with certain people like when i'm with you for example 
when we have our wine nights, we end up talking for two hours about, I don't even know where we pull stuff to talk about. I'm just like, wow, we just talked about this, you know? But with some people, I just sit there and I'm just like, crickets. <laughs> it's like, you don't hear connection. nothing. And it also comes with art of conversation and communicating. And she says here, the crucial part of being successful in the art of conversation is to be willing to be vulnerable, open, transparent, and most importantly, allow others to do the same. So I definitely need to learn how to communicate better. Yeah, and it says the matter of fact is that you will never be able to have a successful relationship of any kind without equally successful, authentic, and open conversation. What courageous conversations are? Mm-hmm. Uh, courageous conversation is one that we would rather avoid <laughs> because we know it might cost us something or someone if we dare to say what needs to be said or to hear what needs to be heard. So you just got to be a fucking courageous. <laughs> Courageous. Courageous. Exactly. So yeah, that's this chapter is pretty much about all of that, you know, courage to be able to communicate and to be honest and to have that have those hard conversations with people you love because mm-hmm. you never know what you're missing. Yeah, it says our goal has to be to find the courage every day to say what needs to be said. We need to practice being a person who has had hard courageous conversation most people wait until they're on their deathbed or when the situation becomes acute to have a difficult conversation this is not a good way to live we need to have conversations whenever the need arises practicing conversation is a great way to kill remorse and to keep regret or resentment from festering and that's about it chapter 20 co 20 <laughs> reconnect with your life <laughs> Please, please. Alma hates me, guys, but it's fine. I don't give a. I don't give a. Anyways, co twenty guys, I reconnect with your life. Yes. Yes. I'll read this. No, you don't know what you're reading. I don't Anyways, know. Anyways, please, just let's finish this up. I want to have a glass of wine in peace. So there's like a little quote at the beginning. It says, "Go for a walk outdoors. Reconnect with the feelings of the wind blowing through your hair. Listen to the birds that live in a tree in your yard. Watch the sunset. Take time to smell the flowers that bloom in the park during the summer. Smoke a blunt. Smoke a blunt. <laughs> get drunk. Get fucked <laughs> off. No, Do whatever no. makes you feel happy. Yeah, the Connect. natural world is just as natural as it ever was, except there was less of it when there was 25 years ago, and most of us don't even make a point of enjoying it enough. Facts. Go to the freaking park, okay? Like watch the toddlers play. Read Power of Now. I won't. I I don't think we'll review that book because it's just so much information. It's an incredible book. I absolutely love it. I think that everyone should read it, but it's a lot of information. Hmm. So, what is the goal of your life? The goal of your life should be the search for your life. It is to be present in the moment of life instead of being consumed by the big loud distractions you must make time for you a priority you have to restore your spirit release stress and take care of your mind body and soul because no one else will this a like, lot of things she does reiterate yeah. in this but this yeah. is an important just message overall reconnect with your life whatever that takes whatever brings you into this present moment however you can do that a lot of people do it with meditation prayer whatever it might be but just get to that point because it's so essential that we really appreciate and we're grateful for every single second that we have on this earth no matter what we're going through so it says all right almost choking on wine so that's great (laughs) 
will take this moment to realize that she is a human being <laughs> and she has breath because she's choking on this fucking wine. <laughs> Our relationships are sacrosanct. Sydney, <laughs> can we wrap it up again? Sacrosanct. <laughs> As we approach how we reconnect, we let's keep these keys in mind. Making time for yourself, your family, your friends is a priority. Building healthy relationships enhances your health, your career, and your spirit. Living the code. Okay, listen. Five of my favorites that I'm implementing daily into my own life, the author says, is number one, intentionally connect with your family and friends. Number two, stop running and doing and start taking care of yourself. Number three, take the time to connect with people. Number four, build meaningful relationship with yourself and with others. And number five, finally reconnect by disconnecting from your devices. I mean, this book was really... An incredible book. Cheers. I'm like super. We just cheers our books. <laughs> it was an incredible, incredible. Okay, guys, it's time. It's time to cut it. Cut it. To cut, cut it. Cut, Not cut, untie. Cut. To cut it. No, but seriously, it was really. It was a really great book. We really had like so many amazing points in here. Oh, sometimes it does reiterate itself. That's fine. You know. We got the point. <laughs> we got a lot of points. But it was really like such an essential book. I'm really happy that we read this one and we got a lot of great gems for you guys. I think we pretty much gave you everything that you fucking needed from this book. I don't think you need to read this book after this. Man. <laughs> but Alma, so <clears throat> after reading this book, what do you think you can take away from this? I mean, she obviously gave us 20 codes to live by but the most important thing is just to know your own code you don't have to go by all these 20 codes pick your own guys pick what codes work for you what you think is valuable have a core absolutely and don't let anybody shift that so once you stand firmly on your ground just be that person be you and just live by it yeah and your life should be better. <laughs> I think I definitely agree with that. I think the code that I took out of this book the most is the first code. Know your value. Overall, such an incredible message is the way that you treat yourself sets up exactly how other people are to treat you. Very true. I completely agree with that. I'm happy we read that book. I'm happy we finished <laughs> this uh, so we can move forward and yeah. choose the third book. Exactly. So yeah. So we thank you guys. Thank you guys for so listening. Much. Yeah. This was an incredible journey. I hope that you guys stick with us and we keep moving forward. Keep being more incredible each and every single day of our life. Thank you again, and we will be announcing the third book. Whenever the fuck we do. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Once we find it. But again, thanks for tuning in, baddies. We will talk to you soon.